two misguided coaches, one formidable goal. This is the Centre Pass Podcast. Welcome to the next episode of the Centre Pass Podcast. Two misguided coaches, one formidable goal. And that goal is getting ever closer to us. Uh, first game of the season, not too far away now, uh, Coach Cam. Uh, I think it's the end of April, isn't it? Yes, it's quickly coming to time to put our skills out there, really, isn't it? That's right. And unfortunately, we still have a wee bit of time before then. Uh, But we do have some exciting things along the way. We have some extra exciting news to tell you guys about. We have an awesome guest on the show today as well. And yeah, a few little bits and pieces still to talk about, things like our uniforms and stuff as well. But before we do any of that, we have, of course, Dear Diary. Yeah, so I think our listeners a little bit of an explanation on what the segment is a little bit, if those who have forgotten. So Dear Diary is going to be a little segment where each each episode shall eventually become each week where we describe what we've learnt across the week and a little segment something we've chosen from and the last time Machu and I maybe weren't quite prepared for it so it was a little bit off the cuff this week we do have something we've learnt so we've discovered the the NetFit New Zealand app which is one of the many resources that we have available to us and to yourselves if you ever want to take up this coaching journey yourself it's awesome. It's stacked with loads of different options. You know, you can go into a fitness section, coaching section, etc. So one of the things I've gone into the coaching, as we're getting close to starting our first training, etc. I've gone into the coaching section and I've I've found a little a little drill I've taught myself about and it's called drop off and pick up. Okay. So, so what is drop off and pick up? So drop off and pick up's a little four person drill, I believe where they're basically a catch, pass, and turn drill. It's working on getting good, clean passes, and it's working on making sure you get a good catch and then pivoting well to turn to release the ball off into the correct areas in this. And it has a few levels there. For example, you can add in defenders. Well, you don't have to have the defenders. You know, you can just go away and run it through if you want to break it down and stuff. So there's many levels there. I won't go into too much detail. It's a bit hard to describe. But that is something we've learned today. Uh, one about the NetFit app, and obviously I've uh, picked up a helpful drill from it. Very good, mate. Well, looking forward to the next uh, segment as well of Dear Diary, where I'm sure we'll have plenty to relay. Now, of course, a lot of people have asked Cam about a pretty important part of who we are going to be as coaches this season. And that's obviously what we'll be wearing, which sounds out of an isolation, slightly creepy. But in the context of obviously us going to some serious effort to demonstrate how serious we are uh, about coaching this season, we've obviously gone and got ourselves some uniforms and we are very excited to say that they have come back. Uh, The screen printing is done and mate, they are looking outstanding, if I can say so myself. They look very good. I'm currently wearing the full getup. It's very comfortable as well, so I'm very appreciative of that factor. Obviously, maybe a little teaser coming on socials later. You know, for now, you're just going to have to imagine. It's going to be a very exciting time. Trials coming up literally just around the corner a few days away. Well, of course, another massive development for us uh, has been that we've also now found out which team we'll be coaching uh, throughout this season. A very exciting time for us, Cam, but I'm not going to tell you who it is or what grade they're in until the end of the episode because it's something that 
has a few little bits of narrative that we're going to be working on a fair bit as well. So yep. stay tuned. So obviously we've just had an interview and I think it's time to, you know, stop keeping you waiting. We'll get you to the guest because that's, you know, where the real nuggets of podcast gold are. So yeah, honestly, before we hear from our guest, just a massive, massive thank you to, to Danga Bloxham, who is this week's guest on the Centre Pass podcast. Gave up a lot of her time, didn't she, Cam? And there's heaps of different things that I've taken away personally from the chat. Also quite cool to hear of the fact that she still does some community coaching, even though she is a professional coach as well. So really awesome to hear this sort of insight, and you'll hear so much more, and hopefully things you can take onto your own trainings as well, Cam. Yes, I think we already picked up on a few things that we can take to our own training. And I think we're going to go back and take notes from our episode because there's a lot to take away from it as well. Definitely, absolutely right. Well, sit back, enjoy, and get the pen and paper ready and jot down as many notes as you can from this really interesting talk with Ranga Bloxham. You're listening to the Centre Pass podcast. From the high school netball courts in Wyndham to landing and leading one of the most successful netball franchises in the country. Ranga Bloxham has certainly had a rise to remember. The former Southern Sting midquarter and proud Southlander made the switch towards performance coaching in 2013 as a defence coach for the Southern Steel. She took the head coaching reins four years later when the team won their first ever ANZ Premiership unbeaten. The Steel didn't finish there though and became back-to-back champions the following year. She's learned from some of the best in the business, and we are very grateful to have her on the show with us. So, Ranga Bloxham, kia ora, and welcome to the Centre Pass podcast. Morena kōrua. It's great to be here with you both. So good, so good. I wanted to sort of start, if I could, Ranga, just talking a little bit about your journey. I know we sort of mentioned in the intro there that you started at a very young age coaching and you did some sort of player coaching. What was it about coaching and playing at that sort of age that got you into it? Yeah, I think growing up in a small town, there's not a lot of people around. So you kind of have to put your hand up and volunteer and just to help out. So while I was still at secondary school, I was helping coach my club side, Edendale. And I think I quite liked being the boss and quite liked being bossy to other people. I'm sort of quite quiet by nature, but when it came into the the world of netball, I, I don't know, I found this other persona and I quite liked bossing other people around. So that's kind of was my first introduction to it. And then I sort of just carried on um, as I got older. I was coaching, you know, helping with club teams and, and doing that sort of thing. And I was player coach for quite some time. And I quite liked that because as I was playing, you can read, you know, different things that are happening on court. And it just felt quite natural to come off the court and say, hey, this is happening and help lead other people that way. So that was kind of how I sort of jumped into it. And then, yeah, just progressed over the years. I've coached all sorts of ages, ranges. And I think the thing that I've probably learned over the years about coaching is it doesn't actually matter what team you're coaching as long as you practice coaching itself and and practice your coaching skills. And that's probably one of the reasons now why I still try and coach like a school team or a club team, because in my job, it is an amazing job and I'm very privileged to have it, but coaching is only a small portion of what I do. So I need to make sure that I keep my skills sharp and practice coaching somewhere else. So, you know, in the past few years, I've just been coaching a school team at Southern Girls High where my daughter goes. I don't coach her though. She's not very coachable. Uh, (laughs) 
from her mum. But um, I do enjoy the challenge of coaching at various levels. So, yeah, my coaching journey has been an interesting one and one that I have kind of think sometimes I've, fall, I've fallen into. When I was asked to coach with Janine Southby, I remember the phone call, actually, at the time I was hanging the washing. Mm-hmm. And it might have been the school holidays and... And Janine had rung and she said, oh, look, you know, would you be interested in coming along to steel training? And I sort of thought at the time, why on earth is she ringing me? Out of all the people in our zone, you know, why would she ring me? Surely there's got to be somebody better than myself that could do the job. And But I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And so I said, yeah, yeah, I'll come along to training. That'll be fine. Still in my head thinking I'm just going to have a wee look-see and see how things go. And maybe add a few bits and pieces where I can and then go home and that'll be the end of that. So that's kind of how I approached the situation and went in, went to the first training, absolutely loved it. Like just loved the, that sort of next level when you've coached club, you've coached provincial and all that sort of stuff. It, I love it. Like I enjoy it and I enjoy the challenge of it. But going into that environment, I just knew it was another step up and I sort of dipped my toes and I thought, oh, I quite like this. But again, just went home and thought, oh, yeah, she might get somebody else to come in the following week. And then she rang me back and she said, you know, would you be keen to come back? And I sort of thought, oh, okay. So that's kind of how I got into that, you know, the performance level of coaching. But yeah, it's something that I love. It's something that I enjoy now. And, you know, it's become my, it's my career now. So I'm very lucky to and privileged to be in that position. Yeah, and I guess that the the cool thing there is that you've still maintained a connection to community coaching, to school coaching, because like you you say, I guess there are always going to be challenges, there are always going to be benefits. I guess that coaching does at a wide variety of, of levels, isn't there? Definitely Sorry. is. Sorry to interrupt. The other thing um, about practicing that whole coaching thing is, I even volunteered to coach a touch team. I did play touch years ago. I'm not great. The, my skill acquisition and, and the knowledge of the tactical side of touch is really, that's way beyond me. But I put my hand up and I thought, I'm going to coach this team to practice coaching. And I had the same bunch of kids for about three or four years. Every year they'd say, you know, do you want to come back next year? And I was like, well, no, not really. I don't actually like you guys. Um, and they'd giggle and laugh. <laughs> and they're like, you really like us. And I was like, well, I'm not sure if I do, but I actually enjoyed the challenge of coaching a different sport. And the fundamentals of coaching were still the same. Like you still had to get a team together. You had to try and work to one common goal or one common purpose. And, you know, you had to teach some skill acquisition. But the tactical side of things, that's where I had Dennis Thompson, who runs the touchdown here. I'd get him to come in to do that sort of thing. Once he did it, I could see what he was hoping to achieve. And then I could just kind of, you know, fake that I knew what was happening yeah Yeah, and then get along to the games and then get them through a game and then if there's anything more I'd sort of seek help from him but yeah I had a little follow-up question along those lines what level did you sort of learn the most from or which sort of level had the largest sort of learning curve for coaching oh there's a great question I think if I'm really honest I think coaching I used to teach at St. Joseph's School in Invercargill. Mm-hmm. It was one of my first teaching jobs. And, you know, we had a really small role of about 80 kids. I remember my first year taking these little kids to netball. 
that was probably the most challenging level of coaching for me, but it was probably the most rewarding as well because I had to make a team of maybe nine kids. We probably only had about 30 girls that went to the school and I remember having to pull up these, one of them was my niece and she was like seven and seven-year-olds weren't supposed to be playing back then, but I remember trying to get this group of kids together, enough kids that we could actually have a team. So I managed to do that and then trying to teach them how to pass, catch and land. Mm -hmm. And I had this plan in my head of, right, this is what we've done at um, our senior training and, you know, we should be able to just catch the ball and turn and pass and this is just going to be so great. And it just all turned to custard. It was terrible. And at the school, we were really under-resourced. We might have had two balls. So we had two balls, you know, eight to 10 kids. And I had kids who were frightened of the ball, so they actually couldn't catch. So, you know, somebody, they hadn't just passed and caught the ball at home. So I remember at the time thinking, I need to try and do something differently with these kids. So the first training, disaster. Went back. Next week, I thought, radio. I know what we can going to do and I needed to make some adaptions straight away so I remember getting balloons and thinking radio nobody gets hurt by a balloon so it was about so we used balloons then we moved to balls and I remember thinking at the end of the season we could pass we could catch and we could pivot and our pivots mm-hmm. were amazing we looked like ballerinas and we used to spin around and they used to get so excited about pivot 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 but that's basically all we did and I remember in that year thinking my goodness, this is one of the hardest things I've ever had to um, coach. But having to break down a skill so that it was so simple, these little sort of seven to 10-year-olds could understand, I remember that being a really big challenge. However, going forward, when I was coaching other school teams, it was so much easier because I knew that the simplicity of everything is what what I needed to do. And then you get to the professional era and these players that I coach now, it's still the same, pass, catch, turn. You're still doing the same sort of fundamental stuff, but you're just doing it at a higher speed. So I think one of the key things is about doing those basics and getting them right, right from the beginning. That's really insightful, actually. I had another question around people that I know that you have had a massive impact on your coaching journey. I know obviously you've, you've spoken before about the impact of Janine Southby and Robin Broughton and uh, Nolene Todua as well, of course. Uh, what are some of the things that you have taken from each of them and have added to your own coaching toolkit? And do you have, or have you, I guess, crafted your own, I guess, adding a flavor as well, you know, rather than just a collection of other people's knowledge? Yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest learnings for me over the last couple of years. Um, When I started out coaching, I think I coached like the people who'd coached me. So way back when I was living in Wyndham, I was playing Māori netball and it was our aunties that coached us. And they were really bossy because they're your aunties, right? (laughs) So I think that's how I started coaching because I'd been bossed around. So I was like, right, I'm going to be the boss. So that's kind of (laughs) what I... I stole from them, I suppose. And then I remember going into rep, my first taste of rep netball and it was at Menzies and a lady by the name of Judy, she coached us and she was really gentle. And I remember thinking, oh, she's not bossing us around. She's really gentle and she's really nice and I'm actually still learning. So, oh, you could do it that way. So 
I think over the years, the thing, and I've been very fortunate to have some really good coaches, like Robin was so structured and so innovative in how she did things. And she was really clear with the task that she wanted you to do. So I remember thinking about her style of coaching and she was sort of somebody that you didn't mess with either either you never second guessed her and you never questioned what she told you to do she did she said it you did it and if you didn't do it you're on the bench so that's that was pretty much I knew as a player that if she asked me to get ball I had to get ball if I didn't get ball I wasn't going to be on the court So as a coach, I remember thinking, right, when I give players feedback, it needs to be really direct and they need to really understand what it is that I'm asking them to do. Janine was really meticulous in her planning. And I think as a teacher, I um, really enjoyed that because, you know, paperwork, planning, tasks, ticks, all that sort of stuff. I actually Mm. love that. But she taught me all about making sure that you plan for every single scenario. And one of the things that I remember really learning from Janine is prior to a game, we'd sit down and we'd go through every single what next. So what if this happens? Who will who will we put in here? What if this happens? Who will we go there? So the you know plan A, plan B, plan C had already been thought about. So it wasn't a surprise. And then I was fortunate enough to work alongside Nolene and that's probably when I felt that I really learned or maybe it was a connection for me about performance culture and what that was I just thought team culture and performance culture were the same sort of thing you know if you have a happy team then that's great I didn't really understand that the performance culture was what you did out on the court the results the outcomes all that sort of stuff so I remember making that connection and her really driving that and thinking, oh my gosh, it just kind of all started to fall into place for me. But prior to all of that, I was, I feel like I was a thief. I just stole things from people that I thought mm. I could use. And I coached in that way. I don't know if I had my own flavor. I just took bits and pieces and then coached a different way however now probably even in the last couple of years I feel like I still steal things from everyone no matter who they are and what sport they are I still steal bits and pieces but now I feel like I'm a lot more confident in my ability as a coach to know how I want to deliver it yeah and over the years I'm not a screechy screamy sort of a person and that doesn't work for me I'm not ever going to stand over somebody and yell and scream at them But I know that when I want to say something and I'm really serious about it, I can deliver it in a way that that player can understand me, read me and know she means business here. So I think sometimes it's about trial and error, finding what works for you, finding what doesn't work for you, finding how people respond to the way that you're delivering things. And sometimes you get it right. And sometimes you just absolutely stuff it up. And I think that's where you get your most you know, your best learnings from is when you really stuff things up and it doesn't go well, it makes you stop and reflect and look at yourself and what you've done and think, how could I do that better? So I think the other thing is you've got to kind of cut yourself a bit of slack. So I think over the years I'm developing, I have, I don't even actually think I still completely know my style, but I know that I've developed a style where I love for the players to have a lot of input and I like to talk alongside them rather than dictate to them. Obviously, Machi and I are coming into you know the sport as fresh. We're not 
We've not really done any coaching. We've not played, you know, beyond some social netball here and there. Obviously, you know, being men, it's not quite the sport that you see a lot of men in as well. We're wondering how that we get to training one. How do we sort of get the skills to listen to us and buy in that we're actually here for, a, you know, to do the job and it's not, you know, it's not a joke or anything like that. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the hardest things as a coach to nail, I suppose, if that's the right word. But I think as long as you're clear and really purposeful in everything that you do, then the players will hopefully (laughs) come along with you on the ride. I think if you also have a vision of what you want to achieve and share that with the players, then that helps them to get buy-in. Whereas if you just stand there and kind of go, right, we're going to do this and this is how we're going to roll and da-da-da-da-da, then they don't actually feel like it's a part of them. They just feel like it's you and then they're just along for the ride. Whereas if you sort of journey together, I feel like that's a, a more purposeful way of doing it. One of the things that I always do at the start of the season, usually day one, as I sit down, I share my expectations of what I want for this team. And I also share how I want it to happen so that they're really clear in my vision and my big picture, I suppose, of how I want things to go. And it doesn't matter whether you've got an ANZ side or a year five and six team or a year you're an under 17 rep team or a club team. It's still the same thing. You still have to be able to really articulate to them what it is that you want to do with this team and how you want to do it. So I would um, I would really encourage all coaches to do that. And I think it also helps set those expectations of how you roll as a team. When I think back to my little school team that I coached last year, I've always been lucky enough when I've been coaching a club side that I have another coach who's they're always the head coach and I'm the assistant coach. So I just let them lead. And then I just interject where I can, but all the while sort of coaching them to be coaches as well, um, to give them the power, I suppose, if, mm-hmm. if that's a want of a better word, to make sure that they are being the head coach and I'm just assisting them. But one of the things that we've always done is to just set that really clear expectation about our roles as coaches. So there's two people. And um, so her role is this and my role is this but together we're one coaching team. So we make decisions together. So I think that has to come into part of your expectations that you share with your players as well, because there's two of you. So that one of you is not more, I don't know, I don't know how you want to roll. You might want to roll as co-coaches or a head coach or assistant coach, but make it really clear to them that we're in this together. This is how we're going to roll together Um, as a team. These are the things that we want to achieve. And I think, don't be afraid for the, to share your expectations and also don't be afraid to ask the players of what they want to achieve, um, you know, what they expect over the season, also what they expect of themselves as a team and what they expect from you as coaches because then you'll get a shared understanding which will help you move forward. Really, That's really, really helpful. I think when it comes to us as coaches as well, I, you know, I think that kind of leads us nicely to, I guess, training one and how we go about constructing a session, constructing a training session, particularly with with us two. I know a lot of netball teams are not as lucky, uh, or not as lucky with 
two rookies, but having two, I guess, coaches allows for a lot more of a sharing of the of the coaching load, which doesn't always happen. But I just wanted to sort of get a bit of an insight from you and and a bit of guidance, probably because we don't have too much else in terms of guidance at this stage. But with with the resource that we have in terms of us two, is it worth us taking a very clear separation path? I'm, I'm talking here about things like attack versus defense, potentially. Or is it better that you do have one of us as a clear leader and the other supporting, which I guess is what you mentioned there about allowing the head coach to find their own flavor, but also to enhance that flavor with the learnings that you you bring along. I mean, I, I, I don't really know which is the better kind of plan, but, but I thought I'd just put that out there as well in terms of firstly, from an identity point of view for us, for the players to see us as attack v defense or other ways. And then also some small strategies as well that could be useful for constructing a session as well. Yeah, I think one of the things I've learned over the years is the players that I've had, possibly being high level, but they really enjoy clarity. So what I mean by that is one year, because I coached the defence end, one year uh, Lauren Pybinger and I, we decided to swap. We thought, right, we're going to mix this up. And we went away to Otaki and we swapped. And she was the defence coach and I was the attacking coach. And just FYI, it didn't go very well. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, in our heads, we were trying to challenge ourselves to to do something a little bit differently together. And I think it was, might have been after the first or second game and the girls are like, could you two please swap back? We're just, we're not enjoying this. It's not working for us. It might be working Mm. for you two, but it wasn't working for us. So that was good learning for me to know that the players really need to understand what you know your role is and, and what you want to do. But I also think you have to work to your strengths. So if one of you is better at talking, for instance, then you might want to do all the team talk side of things. If the other one is, like you kind of always have to have a, a good cop, bad cop, but it doesn't have to be the same thing the whole time because I think they both need to understand that you both pull the trigger, I suppose, if you, if, mm. if you, yeah, to understand that. But yeah, I just think define what you want to do and go with it and try and stick with it the whole time. So if one of you is happy to take the attack in, then take that. If the other one is happy to take the defense in, then take that. But I also feel that the, there's always crossover and don't be afraid to cross over if you need to, like, if I think about myself at the weekend, I always go to the defense end, but as I'm passing all the attackers, I quite often will just have a wee chat with them along the way, like, how are you doing? Do you think you could do this better? And, and if I think I, I need to say something, then I say it. I just say it, and then I feel better about it. They don't have to listen, but I say it, and then on off I go to the next person. So, yeah, I think try and be really clear with what it is, it might be that you might decide to, one of you might decide, right, this week I'm going to do the team talk. This week I'm going to do the warm-up. This week I'm going to do the skill set. And then this week I'm going to do the, the strategy side of whatever we're going to do. So I would try and break it down like that. When you set up your first training, you always want to set that up to be. It's like when you, I don't know, well, this is my teaching background. When I first went into teaching, somebody said to me, do not smile at those children until you hit Easter. And I thought, what on earth are you talking about? It's just about you setting that standard and, you know, and showing no mercy, I suppose. But I 
have taken that into my coaching role as well. And um, quite often my first training, I try and make it the hardest training because I want them to know this is the expectation and this is how I want to roll with things. And then they understand that next time they come back, oh my gosh, it's going to be like this every training. The other thing is when you're setting out trainings, this is me personally, but I always want them to be challenged and to go away with more than they came to that training with. So learning something, whether it's something really small or something big, it doesn't matter what it is. You've always got to challenge them enough to have some sort of growth and some sort of learning space. But I would definitely set up your first training and nail them, hammer them to the wall so that they go, oh, my (laughs) gosh, these two guys, they really know what they're doing. They've just, you know, we've gone away. I'm sweaty. My hair's a mess and all that sort of stuff. So I think if you can set it up to be a really tough training to go, number one, do it. But in terms of what it would look like, do you want me to talk around that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we probably take anything we can get, really. And just just if the... The team in time goes back and listens to these. You can see where we got that first training idea from. They'll be like, so, oh, we don't even like these guys anymore. Shit, no, yeah, um, shit, shit apologies. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like if I think about how I run my club or school team sessions, I always always start with a team meeting at the start, just check in with people. How are you doing? You know, once you get into gameplay, how was the game at the weekend? What are our reflections? What did we learn? What do we need to do going forward? And then I always just give them a wee brief of what we're going to do during the training. For my trainings, I just have these um, old bits of poster paper and I write everything down. And so my girls now still can see exactly what we're going to go through. So they know, right, we're going to do this today, this day, this today, this today. That's probably something that I've learned over the years that they, the players actually enjoy because they can see the plan. And that you just haven't turned up five minutes before and going, oh, no, what are we going to do? Um, I still do that for my club team. I don't write it down, but I just give them a breakdown. Um, always start with a really good warm-up. Do your netball smart warm-up. That stuff is so super important. Never underestimate it in terms of injury and stuff. And sometimes it does get a bit monotonous, but actually it doesn't matter. That's the stuff that you just have to tick the box for to make sure that when you do everything else, you're really really ready so always do that and then for my school team I do probably a 15 to 20 minute skill set sometimes I do it as a skill and a fitness set so I get my little fitness timer on and I do 30 seconds on 30 seconds off and just work them in pairs and it I do really and I still do this with my steel girls as well so it's really simple stuff catching the ball up high, like pulling the ball in, turning in the air, landing, running away to come back to catch or just running towards the person who's throwing you the ball high, low, that sort of stuff. So I always sort of do, yeah, 15 to 20 minutes of skills. For my school team, I do make it a bit of a fitness hit because I'm not sure what they've been doing during the week. They're teenagers. They've probably just been sitting at home on the couch eating chips. I don't know. So I always do that. That's my first sort of block. And then I always do a drill. So some sort of drill that I think might help with what we need to do. So if I know that we haven't been very good at 
passing the ball into the right space. I might do a drill where the defense are all over the attack and then the attack have to read which space to put the ball in. And like when I say all over them, there's no rules. They're pretty much holding them, pulling the bats. Kind of looks a little bit like rugby, I suppose. And then you sort of have to put the ball into the right space. So I'd sort of do that. And then I'd go into what everyone calls half court. You usually have half a court because that's what you can afford to use in your club and you haven't got enough players. You might only have 10 people. So you back up against each other and, and you might work on your centre pass attack and then your centre pass defence. I always start with centre pass attack because you get 50% of possession. So you have to know how to get the ball from the centre pass circle into your shooter. That's day one, always. And you might have some players there that might help you input into what the centre pass attack structures might be. So like set plays. I've been questioned on that by a number of people when I was coaching year 10. So that's what, 13-year-olds? I was really structured. And what they this team I had, they weren't, I wouldn't say they were, the, I hope they're not listening, but I hope they are. <laughs> they weren't the best players, but they were the best team because they understood what the game plan was and they were super structured and we come up against other teams and they just keep winning because they knew what their job was and they knew if I get the ball there, she's going to get the ball there, we get into shooter. And they did the same stuff for like 16 weeks. And this coach said to me, why do you just do the same stuff? What We know what you're going to do. I said, I know you know what I'm going to do, but I've played you three times and we've beaten you every time. So why haven't you stopped us? I said, even though you know what they're going to do, things vary. So yeah, having really structured plays so that when, you know, it hits the fan, they know what to go back to. So that's kind of how I would structure my first training, but always add pressure to it, like time pressure, extra defenders, amount of passes they have to do before they get it through the hoop. Otherwise what they do is they turn up and they go, oh, here's our netball training. This is what we're used to doing. Half court, we're just going to muck around and we're just going to get the ball from the centre circle into the shooters and everything's going to be hunky-dory. You've always got to ramp it up and you just change it and you make them do stuff. My school team, sometimes I wonder why they ask me to come back when I'm so mean to them and I'm like, you know, <laughs> these are 16-year-olds. I'm like, no, let's do that again. We have to get five in a row this time. They're like, in a row we can't even shoot two goals in a row and I was like well we're not leaving until we've done this so and then when the when they do achieve these things it's that sense of achievement and that they're like oh we've trained so much harder than our game was so I always think your training has to be harder than what your gameplay is mm -hmm. yeah there are just so many nuggets of wisdom there that, that it's almost kind of a silly question uh to, to ask for any more and I feel a bit greedy you know I feel like we're stealing <laughs> stealing from the steel but um <laughs> You know, I think there are going to be a lot of, I guess, hopeful community coaches out there who who may be in a similar situation to us in terms of very green. They might be picking it up because their child doesn't have any other option. You know, they might be picking it up as a paper at uni or polytech or something. So I guess the only other question I have is around whether you have any little bits of advice for people like us who are, who are starting green and you know, just a couple, maybe three weeks away from preseason. Yeah, I would, I'd get and put my stealing hat back on. 
Yeah. Go and steal knowledge from people. Go and watch people who have done this before. You know, you guys are really lucky in Dunedin. You've got some amazing coaches like club coaches who have been around for a number of years and who do things really, really well. So I would just tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, how would you feel about us coming along and watching your training today? One, as a coach, nothing should be a secret. It's just netball, like mm. netball's netball. Two, if we want our sport to improve, we actually have to give something back. And giving back might be something as simple as you popping along to a training and then them spending five minutes with you afterwards. I really enjoy when people come to training and I'd probably like you guys can come to my training. No problem. And the other thing that I'd love is I really enjoy when people question why you do things because we do things because we think it's the right thing to do. And then when you get new people into your environment and they ask you, Oh, why did you do that? Sometimes you actually don't know. You just go, Oh, cause we've always done it. So I think my biggest tip to both of you would be don't be afraid to go and ask for some help and don't be afraid to ask for people to come in to help you take a couple of sessions or to watch you to give you some feedback. I think sometimes we think we actually have to know it all and you don't have to know it all. You have to find people to help you be a better coach. And I think that's probably one of my biggest learnings that I've learned over the years is I don't have to know everything. I just have to get the right people in the room who can help me coach this team. So, um, yeah, definitely go and steal, steal knowledge from people. Use the Netball New Zealand website. Use the Netball Smart website. That stuff is amazing. It's mm. really good, and it's all online. It's free. It's, it's some good quality stuff. I'm on Instagram, and I'm on every sort of single Netball page that I can get my hands on because I just like watching what other people are doing and drills. And we did this new drill this year, and it's called... I just, I didn't have a name. Naming drills is really hard. But anyway, we called it Shoop Shoop. And I don't know why it's called Shoop Shoop because the first two movements that you have to do is a short, short movement. So I think that's how Shoop Shoop came about. I actually was watching an Australian, I think it might've been the Swifts training or something on Instagram. They were doing this little drill. And I was about to go to training and I thought, oh, one of the things I was trying to achieve this year is doing repeated movements for repeated efforts, like a lot of movements for a number of times. So I was like, how could I make this happen? I watched this drill on Instagram and then I just changed it up and I added a little bit of my own flavor to it. And now they hate it. They hate that drill. And I love that they hate it. <laughs> and I love that they hate it because we can adapt it and change it all the time. And so when I put shoop shoop on the wee sheet, they're like, oh, no, that just sucks. And I that just gives me so much joy <laughs> to know that I can put them in this place of absolute discomfort. But, you know, that wasn't something, it was probably something I did make, but I made it by stealing somebody else's idea. I love going to watch other coaches coach just to see how they do it. Basketball coaches, rugby coaches, netball touch, whatever. It doesn't matter. I just enjoy watching and learning and seeing how I could do it a different way. Yeah, so that would probably be my biggest nugget to both of you is don't be afraid to ask for help. And you've got some awesome people out there. Jo Morrison, I'll throw her in there. She could come and help me take a session. She's got four kids and she's really busy, but I'm sure she could come help you. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. 
<clears throat> yeah, real pressure cooker on Joe here, but that sounds really good. And I, I know that you know you don't if you don't ask, you don't get, and you, you've got to spin to win. But we'd be keen to come in and check out a session. I think just to sort of see different approaches. I think that's kind of the thing for us. Eh? I think when we're trying to think about our own brand, our own style of even just communication with players, I think it'll be really important to see how others do it as well. So definitely, definitely take you up on that offer. Uh, Rang, I think that'd be awesome to come down. Be a pleasure. Yeah, great. Well, I think that's pretty much everything I've got to ask. Well, thank you so much, Rang. It's been it's been an man. What a what a masterclass this has been for us in terms of different ideas, different drill options, and just different bits of nuggets that everybody can can take away as well. I've really enjoyed it, Cam. You've yeah. taken a lot out of that. It's it's been really awesome. I think we're gonna have to go listen back to the audio and take notes, really, because. There was a lot of content there that we could take away from. Again, really sorry um, to our Nepal team for that first training and uh, looking forward to discussing that quite a lot in the future. But again, thank you so much for your time. I know you're in the middle of ANZ season, so really appreciate your time and go well for the rest of the season as well. No problem. It was my pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to the Centre Pass podcast. What can you say about that, Cam? I think there was so much, uh, so much value there not only for us as uh, green coaches heading into this, but even I think coaches at a whole bunch of levels hearing a little bit about her background, some some specific drills that we can take into training. Yeah, lots of really interesting stuff there, Cam. Yeah, I really enjoyed you know finding out how maybe that sometimes the younger level can can be a bit more challenging or have a steeper learning curve than the top level because obviously by then a lot of people are well into their structures and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's also an illustration of, I guess, just the sheer level of uh, involvement that's needed at that younger level, particularly for our amateur coaches uh, who are doing this off the back of, I don't know, having their own children involved or as a bit of a, uh, a side project of sorts. But again, it illustrates uh, just the sheer level of involvement. So um, to all of those uh, community coaches out there, school coaches, high school coaches, awesome stuff. And you're doing a fantastic job as well. So we won't keep you waiting. Obviously, teased it just before the interview. Oh, yeah. You know, we've got our team. So I think we'll throw them at you to talk about who we have and maybe your thoughts and feelings. So so there were some questions, I guess, around which team we thought we'd get. We thought we might get uh, Prem A, the top team. No. <laughs> we thought we might get maybe the the... Diff- there are obviously different levels, different um, teams within those levels. I think we've got a very, very good level for us to inject some of our own knowledge, but also to build on skills that these players already have. We are coaching a senior one team. Yes, one of the exciting things about it is that there is another senior one team from the same club. That's right. And she probably doesn't know this. But Liv Lemon, we're coming for your team, okay? Just we're putting we're putting your your team on notice early doors. Here we are. But no, no, I think I think for us it's a good chance to you know build some cohesion, build a culture, and then as Ranga's already mentioned, get some structures in place as well, so that come time to play what I'm going to call our rival team. We're, I'm already calling it that they're going to be our rival for this season. Look, we're going to be ready. They're our benchmark, aren't they? Really. Yeah, absolutely right. They they really are. And of course, the amazing sort of opportunities that come with coaching a senior one team is that we could end up playing off against a Prem C team 
for spaces in Prem C. Now, I'm, I'm obviously looking way ahead here. I'm so far in the distance here that I am, am probably well speaking out of turn, but it's exciting to have these little things um, that are going to, but it's going to be exciting for us to add a bit of, a bit of extra flavour, I think, to the season. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a lofty goal setter, and I think the goal of joining other teams in Prem C for us would be a great success, really. Yeah, so there you have it. There you have our team has been confirmed. Our club, of course, already confirmed. University Albion Senior One coaches, Machu and Cam. What an exciting few days this is going to be. Ahead of trials, we don't have too much to report on that just yet. We'll speak about that in the next episode. We've also got another incredible guest lined up for the next episode of the Centre Pass podcast. You won't want to miss that one. Lots of tips and tricks I'm sure which we'll hope to launch uh, well ahead of the start of the season but that is about all that it's summed up for us unless we've have we had much feedback this week Cam? I don't know if we've had too much feedback this week have we but no we are looking forward we're looking for feedback so you know if you want to give us some just get in touch let us know things you want to hear anything that you want to see done differently let us know and we can make some changes yeah, I think that's the that's the good thing about us is we're still very new and so we're still able to pivot reasonably quickly. Uh, of course, you can get in touch with us on our social media channels and I'm going to get Cam to tell the email because I always get it wrong. So you, can you please tell us what the oh. handles are? Well, let's go. So on uh, Instagram, we have center underscore pass underscore NZ. Yep. On Facebook, we're just center pass podcast or the dust center pass podcast. That's correct. Yep, that's right. And two out of two. Email is centre.pass.nz at gmail.com. Perfect, mate. Three from three. Perfect, mate. Well, that brings this episode to a close. Uh, A very exciting episode, a very informative episode. We hope you took a lot out of it. Uh, Until next time, keep learning, keep absorbing, and keep stealing, as I would say. But from us, good night, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Centre Pass. Check out centre underscore pass underscore NZ on social media and on Spotify for more.